Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Missing one. Missing two. Missing three. Find missing three. Q Patriot. Some of us come here to drop crumbs, just crumbs. Where we go one, we go all. Future proves past. Nothing is a coincidence. The map is the key. Planned for three years. Corruption and evil deep within everywhere. Does POTUS know where the bodies are buried? Does POTUS have the goods on most bad actors? Was Trump asked to run for president? Why? By who? Was HRC next in line? Was the election supposed to be rigged? There are more good people than bad. The wizards and warlocks, inside term, will not allow another satanic evil POS control our country. Realize Soros, Clintons, Obama, Putin, etc. are all controlled by three families, the fourth was removed post-Trump's victory. Define hostage. The sum of all fears. What is a pill? When is it hard to swallow? How do you remove your enemies from positions of influence and authority? Define stages. Define puppets. Define puppet handlers. Define proxy war. Define proxy war. Define proxy war. Expand your thinking. Why is justice stalling release of sea level info? Think. If it's hard to swallow, what makes it hard to swallow? Is there a certain flavor to it? Define where we go when we go all. Define learning the truth. Define understanding. 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 Understanding finally that what makes QAnon hard to swallow is that it, it is, is all complete. complete bullshit. But surely, if you've heard of QAnon, you've already figured that out, right? It's time for us to tear apart the second most ridiculous conspiracy theory of our times. I'm looking at you, Flat Earth. Where we go one, we go all to the paranoid strain. Welcome to what we're calling a quick hit edition of the Paranoid Strain. Paranoid Strain, quick hit. Hey, calm down there, guy. Sorry, we're still working out the kinks. Anyway, this show aims to be your source for information about the conspiracy theories, your UPS driver, your wrestling coach, and especially your weed dealer are obsessed with. 
Every other month, we drop into the podcast feed to share a bit of sanity, in the hopes that it will bolster your psyche's immune system, defending you from the conspiracy-addled nonsense that passes for daily life at this point. I am your host, Fearful Jesuit, the product of a secret government experiment that sought to produce the world's least sexy pseudonym. Now, I know what at least some of you are thinking. Specifically, you may have expected to be listening to the second of our 9-11 series, which we promised you last time. I know, I owe you guys. And we have that crazy, crazy episode ready to go next month. But by popular demand... Meaning that a couple of listeners wrote in asking us to comment on the topic. Our journalist friends told us that we needed to strike while this particular iron was hot. And we kind of felt that we were needlessly benching ourselves in the middle of a sort of conspiracy Super Bowl. We have decided to do a little experiment, creating a short-ish episode on the raging QAnon phenomenon while it's still hopefully making headlines. Normally, we produce complete episodes four months before they're aired to ensure that, in the event that real life gets in the way, we can continue feeding our listeners with that sweet, sweet content stream. But this time, we're doing the whole thing, research through final production and episode posting, over just a few weeks. If this works, and y'all like it, we may make this format a regular part of our rotation. It would mean sometimes trading episode length, and therefore thoroughness, for more timely, shorter, ripped from the headlines shows. We already have ideas for other quick hits. For example, the recent implosion of Alex Jones is not quite criminal empire has us feeling like we could probably dance on Infowars' grave a little more. Jones has been so fucking crazy for so fucking long that there was plenty we had to leave out of this episode. So after you give this one a listen, I'd really appreciate it if you'd give us some feedback on this new approach. Understand, we have no plans to ditch our standard, ever-lengthening, deep-dive show format. We have Flat Earth already in the can and are midway through production on our Assassinations series. But if you would be willing to have fewer of those long-form shows per year in exchange for sprinkling in a few of these time-sensitive shows, accompanied, as always, by your recommended dosage of stupid land nonsense, we'll shift our production accordingly. For our new listeners, we first apologize for that bit of inside baseball. And we welcome you to the party. Help yourself to the refreshments. Unfortunately, I see that we wore the same dress. Awkward. Don't worry about it. I'm sure this sort of thing happens all the time. Once you've listened to this latest show, I invite you to go back through the archives where you'll learn the answers to pressing questions like, What was Henry Ford's and Adolf Hitler's mutual favorite book? What does it mean when someone tries to redeem his straw man? Why didn't they recover a bunch of plane parts from the Pentagon on 9-11? What was the John Birch Society all about? And why, oh why, did Wesley Snipes go to jail? You'll also find a growing number of audio pastiches from our sister podcast, Stupidland, who now produce periodic commentaries on the subjects of our recent episodes. Think of them as a deeply deranged palate cleanser. You can find us on all of the social media platforms, just look for the terrified eye peeking out of the blinds, as well as on our snazzy website, and you can reach us at theparanoidstrain, one word, on Gmail. Please do contact us, drop us a voicemail question or comment for inclusion in the show, etc., etc. With no further ado, then, let's tear into QAnon.
Unless you've been held against your will beneath a stone that spouts aphorisms, you're no doubt- What? Held against your will beneath a stone that spouts aphorisms. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, oh, sorry. You may know it as being trapped under the proverbial rock. Ugh, Jesus, that's a new low. Yes, and think, we're only getting started. Anyway, it's almost impossible that you don't at the very least know that QAnon is a thing, and that thing is crazy. Right now is brought to you this morning by the letter Q, as in the letter on the t-shirts of Trump supporters in Tampa, the letter on signs like the one you're looking at saying, we are Q. So what is Q? You should instead be asking, who is Q? Q is an anonymous user. Let me start in Tampa. Does, first of all, does the president encourage the support of people who showed up last night in these QAnon and Blacks for Trump fringe groups? Um, and he secondly, the McDonald it, Trump rallies this week, holding signs, wearing T-shirts, all with the letter Q. Supporters of a conspiracy theory now emerging from a shadowy corner of the internet. While our subject matter often makes headlines, rarely has such an advanced form of stupid grown so quickly and been so quick to come to mainstream attention. As I've noted to some fans of the show, I had originally planned to deal with this topic in a comprehensive episode on post-Watergate political conspiracies scheduled for 2020. Yes, we planned pretty far ahead. But when our RSS feed was suddenly clogged with breathless, confused QAnon stories, and when Q-related merchandise started appearing at rallies for President Trump, we knew we had to get a piece of this action. So in this mini-episode, we're going to explain what this conspiracy theory is, who believes it, and most importantly, our hopefully educated guesses at why they believe it and what they get out of it. To kick things off, we have to get our hands dirty, visiting some of the most reprehensible sites on the internet as we know it, beginning with that most venerable online shithole, 4chan. Founded in the early 2000s, 4chan gradually mutated from a site mostly centered on Japanese games, manga, and other culture to a much broader set of discussion groups. The most notorious of these is the B-Board, but for reasons too boring to delve into here, serves as the site's designated random posting area. It's a place that has almost no rules, and whose denizens are widely known as B-Tards. There was a time, dear listeners, when the 4chan B-Board was considered the worst that the internet had to offer. Or at least the regular internet. We're fortunately blissfully unaware of whatever hideous nightmares are available on the legendary dark web. Back in 2008, for example, the New York Times Magazine devoted a cover story to detailing the exploits of the B-Tards. Titled The Trolls Among Us, the story detailed such legendary, I hesitate to call them pranks, as the story of Mitchell Henderson, a 7th grader who tragically killed himself in 2006. The trolls, for whatever reasons govern random group behavior online, glommed onto this story and dug up tributes to the boy posted by friends on his MySpace page. Remember, it was 2006. Including one with a typo that referred to Mitchell as an hero, and an earlier post referring to a missing iPod. The article's author, Matthias Schwartz, elaborates. Mitchell Henderson, 4chan decided, had killed himself over a lost iPod. The an hero meme was born. To clarify, the 4chan hive mind decided that anyone who killed himself was an hero, and they immediately began creating themed memes featuring famous suicides throughout history. Including, of course, poor Mitchell. Mitchell Henderson, I found your own book. 
I stole it from your diaper bin. You want it back? You're gonna have to undie. Undie. <laughs> Within hours, the anonymous multitudes were wrapping the tragedy of Mitchell's death in absurdity. Somebody hacked Henderson's MySpace page and gave him the face of a zombie. Somebody placed an iPod on Henderson's grave, took a picture, and posted it to Slash B. Henderson's face was appended to dancing iPods, spinning iPods, hardcore porn scenes. The phone began ringing at Mitchell's parents' home. It sounded like kids, remembers Mitchell's father. They'd say, hi, this is Mitchell, I'm at the cemetery. Hi, I've got Mitchell's iPod. He sighed. It really got to my wife. The calls continued for a year and a half. Yeah. So 4chan was already a place that tolerated a level of irresponsibility and callousness that leaves normal people incredulous, which is why it was the perfect place for a poster calling him or herself. But, let's face it, most likely himself. Q, or at times Q Clearance Patriot or QAnon. To begin, in late 2017, posting cryptic, mysterious, often bizarre messages on the slash Paul board, which stands for Politically Incorrect, but is essentially the 4chan Politics Discussion Forum. Some of the most... Rapid? Enthusiastic supporters of President Trump came to view these Q-drops as a series of messages from a highly placed government agent. That is, one with Q-level security clearance. Which is a real thing. We checked. It's the equivalent of top-secret clearance from the Department of Defense, but for the Department of Energy. Which sounds lame, until you remember the DOE is in charge of all U.S. nukes. Yes, one with high security clearance, whose posts detail the eminent disruption of a globe-spanning plot that has been committing heinous crimes and manipulating all of our lives from behind the scenes for years. <sighs> yep, uh, sounds exactly like every other conspiracy theory. So what makes this one different? You're right, this is garden-variety nonsense of the kind we see all the time on this show. But there are a few things that make the QAnon phenomenon unique. The first is its incredibly quick ascendance to the top of the conspiracy theory charts, as it were. In our experience, very few theories have become so astonishingly widespread and influential among the mouth-breathers in such a short period of time. Q's first post is dated October 28th of 2017, so in less than a year it's gone from the fringiest of fringe concepts to a conspiracy so popular its adherents appear en masse in public, decked out in Q regalia and waving signs denoting their fealty to their mysterious soothsayer at political rallies. The second is how it seems to have grabbed the attention of the mainstream press suddenly, in a way that most stories like this don't. Oh, of course we've seen appropriately condescending coverage of the Flat Earther phenomenon, which again, we'll be getting to very soon. But it's rare to see one of our stories get headlines across most major print and online publications nearly simultaneously. And the third is simply this. QAnon has managed to do all of this based on a series of assertions and predictions, not one of which has ever been demonstrably proved to be true. You're saying these Q believers adhere to this random internet stranger spouting weird nonsense, and none of that nonsense has even accidentally turned out to say something true? I mean, even those idiot psychics that tabloids trot out every year to make their annual predictions for the coming months accidentally get something close to right on occasion. Yeah, it seems weird that Q could be this inaccurate, but perhaps, as we'll discuss later, that's actually part of the appeal. Anyway, the story we told above was a quick gloss. Let's look a little more deeply at some of the elements of the Q phenomenon. 
It's worth pointing out that the thread in which QAnon initially posted... Again, we're going with his because we are willing to give odds that the individual or group behind something this obsessive and stupid identifies as he. We know we could be wrong, but given how seldom this kind of conspiracy nonsense originates with women, we're willing to bet we're not. Come at us, bro. <clears throat> in which QAnon initially posted his nonsense was titled The Calm Before the Storm a reference to a cryptic pronouncement President Trump made in October of 2017. Specifically, he held a dinner with military leaders and their wives, before which they held a photo op, and Trump, seemingly out of nowhere, said, You guys know. Hold on. I feel like you should do the voice. Excuse me? Come on. Trump's voice. This job gets worse and worse. <laughs> you guys know what this represents? Maybe it's the calm before the storm. Could be the calm. The calm before the storm. Which brings us to a point that we probably have to make. As we stated way back in our very first episode, The Paranoid Strain is not a political show. We do not discriminate among parties or ideologies when it comes to our skepticism about conspiracy theories. However. Yeah. While we're an equal opportunity conspiracy theory debunker, we do take notice when the leader of any party or faction seems to embrace conspiracist thinking and use it to motivate, stir up, or otherwise rile his followers. Which inexorably brings us to the subject of the current POTUS. While all presidents have their flaws, Donald Trump has been surprisingly willing to embrace a unique combination of credulousness for politically convenient, unsupported conspiracy theories, and the use of social media as a vector for spreading and amplifying those theories. We will further note the seemingly incontrovertible fact that, prior to his successful presidential run, Trump's most recent signature political issue was his support and promotion of the ridiculous birther conspiracy, which stated that Obama was not born in Hawaii, where he was in fact born, but rather in Kenya, and that some sort of 50-year cabal of ne'er-do-wells had worked to cover this up just in case he would get the chance to become an illegitimate president of the U.S. someday. In just a few short weeks, Donald Trump's stance on where President Obama was born has, well, evolved. From this... The reason I have a little doubt, just a little, just a little, it's because he grew up and nobody knew him. To this... I want him to show his birth certificate. To this... I'm saying it's a real possibility, much greater than I thought two or three weeks ago, then he has pulled one of the great cons in the history of politics. Now, setting aside the obvious racist overtones of this allegation... Which, again, are obvious and really gross. It is unquestionably a pure D, grade A, totally unsupported conspiracy theory. So therefore, the 45th president would naturally fall under this show's self-defined rubric. And unfortunately, that's not the only evidence-free conspiracy theory he has latched onto. He has endorsed a list that includes... His suggestion that political opponents' family members were somehow involved in the assassination of JFK. Ted Cruz erupts after Donald Trump links Cruz's father to none other than JFK assassin Lee Harvey Oswald. His father was with Lee Harvey Oswald prior to Oswald's being, uh, you know, shot. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. What, what, what is this right prior to his being shot? And nobody even brings it up. I mean, they don't even talk about that. That was reported. Suggesting Justice Scalia's death by natural causes might be suspicious. Anti-vaxxer bullshit. Well before his election... During a Republican debate, candidate Trump linked vaccines with autism. Just the other day, two years old, two and a half years old, a child, a beautiful child, went to have the vaccine and came back and a week later got a tremendous fever, got very, very sick, now is autistic. The Vince Foster suicide conspiracy. 
the untrue story that many Muslims in New Jersey were cheering on 9-11. During a speech recently, I said that I saw in parts of New Jersey, Jersey City, but parts of New Jersey, I saw people getting together and in fairly large numbers celebrating as the World Trade Center was coming down, killing thousands of people, thousands and thousands of people. People are still dying over what happened to the world. Declaring that the previous administration had tapped his phones illegally. Arguing baselessly that nearly non-existent voter fraud contributed to his opponent's popular vote victory in 2016. Does the president believe that millions voted illegally in this election? And what evidence do you have of widespread voter fraud in this election, if that's the case? The president does believe that. He has stated that before. I think he stated his concerns of voter fraud and, and people voting illegally during the campaign. And he continues to maintain that belief based on studies and evidence that people have presented to him. But exactly what evidence? Paul, Speaker Ryan today said there's no evidence. The National Association of Secretaries of State say that they don't agree with the president's assessment. What evidence do you have? I, 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 as I said, I think the president has believed that for a while based on studies and information he has. This is, we feel comfortable saying, a far from comprehensive list. So while we do not endorse the idea that the political right in America owns the conspiracy space, we will confidently assert that the current leader of America's center-right party is an influential conspiracy theorist, and with regard to those aspects of his personality and presidency, he's definitely fair game for being put through the skeptical ringer. Caveat's done then, we're not blaming QAnon on the president, but we are saying he's responsible for setting an example for his enthusiasts that embraces evidence-free nonsense, making them uniquely susceptible to believing what QAnon is peddling. However, none of this absolves his followers from responsibility for believing something so absolutely wackadoo. Digression thus ended, we return to our story in progress, with Q's early posts on 4chan in late October of last year. Eventually, the QAnon poster migrated to the still more lawless 8chan forum, alleging that the 4chan thread had been compromised. So what has this Q person been saying? Well, it's questions, mostly. Pointed yet pointless questions. The kind you heard a computer voice intone in the show's cold open. That was 90% directly quoted Q drops. He also occasionally posts more lucidly about things transpiring in the real world, though inevitably adds nonsense context so followers can understand what it really means in the mirror image Q world. To pick a fairly recent day at random, here are the Q posts for June 24th, 2018, and one fan's intense discussion of them. And we got a nice fresh set of Q drops. Very interesting stuff here. Why does POTUS continually refer to the server personally i think he's taunting them but he's trying to get it out and you obviously notice that nobody in the mainstream is uh picking it up except for fox you know you have tucker carlson uh hannity and ingram potus does not speculate and you guys remember an older q post that says uh has potus ever said anything that didn't turn out to be factually correct future proves past who has it all? Oh, there we go. I was reading ahead, I guess. Topics stated in past. Future, big meaning. Repeats, important. Think Twitter. Those awake, see. Those asleep, blind. Fake news, and in the kill box. Prop arm of D forward slash DS. So the propaganda arm of the Democrats and deep state is failing. Big time. Panic. Silence is golden. Q. 
Now, I also think that um, why does POTUS repeat? But I believe that's why he's doing it for the new eyes, the new subscribers or the, the people that are new into looking into Q and what Q is about and what Q is doing. Because we do know it is going a lot more mainstream lately. Uh, so much that they are continuing to um, try to debunk it and make it look like us crazy kids, you know, those crazy 9-11 people, they just don't get it. To synopsize the incoherence or when coherent, the banality of Q's pronouncements demonstrate clearly that nothing of substance is going on here, except insofar as imaginative Q slash Trump followers have imbued this horseshit via impressive mental gymnastics with world shattering importance. Still, it kind of makes one long for the inscrutable pronouncements of self-proclaimed prophets and mystics of other periods. Like when the ancient Athenians sought the ear of the oracle at Delphi regarding their chances in a pending war against the Persian Empire, they didn't get any who has the server or define this, define that bullshit. No, they got some terrifying, mysterious pronouncements from on high, goddammit. Now your statues are standing and pouring sweat. They shiver with dread. The black blood drips from the highest rooftops. They have seen the necessity of evil. Get out! Get out of my sanctum and drown your spirits in woe. Now that's a fucking prophecy. And the Oracle isn't alone. I mean, when the book of Revelation gets going, look out. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Shit, Nostradamus, whom we have never previously thought to use as anything but a punchline, at least gets some oomph into his meaningless quatrains. The sky will burn at 45 degrees latitude. Fire approaches a great new city. Immediately, a huge scattered flame leaps up when they want to have verifications from the Mormons. Evocative. Sure, this passage is supposedly where he predicted 9-11, but that wasn't until after some jokers fraudulently added in additional lines about two steel birds falling from the sky on Metropolis so that it would sound at least vaguely similar to what happened in the actual events. But regardless, if you're looking to bend nonsense until it breaks, and then peer through the broken shards to try to find something you can pretend is a prophecy about things transpiring in the current day, there are much better prophetic sages out there than QAnon, and each of them has exactly the same 0% batting average. Of course, none of this has kept discussion and analysis of QAnon from rocketing to the top of the list of topics that crazy people make virtually impenetrable YouTube videos about. Well, well, well. But all of a sudden, Q... QAnon is the talk of the deep state mockingbird media. What took you so long? And I wonder, why now? Who is Q? What is Q? We're so past that, it's not even funny. Let them, let like the cat chasing the little laser pen or the, or the flashlight, go ahead and figure that one out. I humbly believe that as of late in particular, there are a number of definite writing styles indicating multiple cues. The same way many people believe that there were different images of Jesus in the Bibles and the Gospels. You'll see the John uh, Jesus a lot different than Matthew. 
Just like if you watch a television show and you notice who's writing this one, you'll say, I noticed this particular episode was a little different than others. You can feel a kind of a different, perhaps, piquancy or directness. Well, that's cute. Some are far more uh, prosaic and expository in, uh, in application. Others are almost hard to decipher, understand. They're glyphs, they're Morse code, little thing. So I don't know. So, so who, is, who is Q? We've been doing that one. You're too late. Go back and I'm not even going to waste time with it. Okay. So we know that what Q is actually posting is the purest form of nonsense. But what do Q supporters claim he's doing? Strap in. You've heard of the Mueller probe, right? As of this recording, it's still an ongoing investigation, which in reality is designed to analyze evidence of potentially inappropriate contacts between Russian intelligence services and Donald Trump's election campaign. Right. Only that's not what Mueller is doing, according to Q. Not at all. Some of Q's wildest conspiracy theories, Democrats and Hollywood celebrities are operating a child sex ring. And special counsel Robert Mueller is not actually investigating the Trump campaign. He's really investigating Hillary Clinton. So the theory is that Trump is our savior, uh, that everything we know about him is at least somewhat wrong, if not completely wrong, that he has appointed Mueller not to investigate Russian interference in the election, but instead a satanic cult. They have this idea that Trump is, you know, there's going to be this thing called the storm in which Trump sort of sweeps away their enemies which includes all of the important Democrats of the last decade, including Clinton and Obama, as well as some Republicans. While it may be easy to dismiss it all so, as online... just checking here. The probe that has led to numerous indictments of members of the president's campaign, the one that the president himself regularly refers to as a witch hunt that must be stopped immediately, all of that is just a highly scripted cover story for what Mueller is really investigating, a global crime ring that includes the deep state, whatever that is, plus essentially all prominent Democrats and a number of Republicans, whose crimes include, but are not limited to, running a global pedophilia ring. That's the gist, yeah. And they base this belief on cryptic nonsense posted by an anonymous person on several websites with a well-known reputation for trolling confused people with specious information for to lulls. Again, yes. But they think this is probably legit. Why? Uh, I guess MAGA? Ah, okay then. Carry on. Sure, will do. So, as Michelle Goldberg of the New York Times points out, Q himself spends a lot of time and energy insisting that the secret plan is working great, thanks very much, that you shouldn't doubt it, and that it's all super duper important. You cannot possibly imagine the size of this, said a cute dispatch. Trust the plan. Trusts are more good than bad. While no one knows what the implications of the real-world Mueller investigation will be yet, Goldberg's assertion that QAnon fans' desperate conviction that they will be proven right about Trump betrays a secret fear that they will be proven wrong has more than a whiff of the truth. To aid us in our quest for understanding, Vice's Justin Kaffier offers a quick overview of some of the unique vocabulary that has developed around QAnon, including breadcrumbs. Essentially, any supposed clues Q leaves for his followers. Which, of course, leads these followers to call themselves... What else? Bakers. Who assemble all of the crumbs into the grand theory that incorporates all of this nonsense. The dough. They also refer to everyone in the Q-averse who is working to support Q's work as Q+. 
We'll link to this article in the show notes as it's a truly invaluable resource for understanding the inexplicable. For example, it covers the ankle monitor phenomenon. You know the ankle monitors they put on suspects post-arrest but pre-trial? QAnon followers pore over images of everyone they believe will eventually be arrested en masse at the culmination of The Storm. Their term for the lightning-fast series of arrests that will follow the completion of Mueller's report and the revelation of the evil international conspiracy. The Bakers are searching these photos for evidence that evildoers like Chelsea Clinton, the recently deceased John McCain, Clinton aide Huma Abedin, etc., are surreptitiously wearing these monitors, proof positive that they've already been secretly arrested and are either sworn to silence until the storm is unleashed or are cooperating with the feds against their fellow malefactors. Per Kaffir. This has resulted in every photo of a QAnon conspiracy villain in a maxi dress, orthopedic boot, or flared pant leg to be scrutinized in an attempt to see if someone is attempting to hide their tracker. Hilarious. And, you know, super weird. Another weird QAnon follower quirk is their determination to prove that Q is definitely a highly placed member of the Trump administration and not some troll or delusional from the internet, which results in hilarious efforts to validate what, to any dispassionate observer, would seem like completely banal nonsense. For example, the Daily Beast's Will Summer relates an incident in which Q posted some pictures of islands. Because these photos were posted while Trump was traveling in Asia, bakers tied themselves in knots trying to prove that Q's island photo must have been taken from Air Force One, thus proving definitively that he is important enough to accompany the president on international diplomatic visits. By the way, this isn't the craziest suggestion of Q's real identity that fans have come up with. More on that at the end of the show. Q fans will latch onto anything as evidence of their guru's legitimacy. Again, summer in the Daily Beast. One supporter suggested that Trump used the phrase tip-top in the State of the Union address. While Trump never said tip-top in that speech, QAnon supporters felt vindicated three months later when Trump said it instead at the White House Easter egg roll. QAnon supporters have even claimed Trump uses his hands to make a Q sign as a signal to them. So, the current state of affairs is that there's a bunch of nonsense available on an obscure internet message board, and easily persuadable people have determined that this nonsense has much more impact and importance than any reasonable observer would accept. But how did this state of affairs happen? From the media's perspective, the story pretty much starts with recently disgraced celebrity and Trump fan Roseanne Barr. Anyone familiar with Ms. Barr's social media activities over the past several years would know that her views were idiosyncratic at best. But back in March of 2018, the Washington Post took notice of a particularly weird series of pro-Trump tweets, which made statements like, President Trump has freed so many children held in bondage to pimps all over this world. Hundreds each month. He has broken up trafficking rings in high places everywhere. Notice that. I disagree on some things, but give him benefit of doubt. For now. The WAPO piece's author, Dave Weigel, puzzles over these suggestions. After all, there were and continue to be no credible news stories of significant upticks in sex trafficking busts under the Trump administration compared with Obama's. Weigel eventually connects it to some already refuted figures misstated by another far-right lunatic. But he also makes the key early connection between this story and Pizzagate. Those who have been with us for a while may recall episode 7, which focused on the idea of false flags and Alex Jones' obsession with them. As part of that show, we played some of the audio you're now hearing in the background. 
This was recorded at Comet Ping Pong, a Washington, D.C. area pizzeria with a nice craft beer selection. The place is only notable for our purposes because it appeared in some of the emails hacked as part of Russia's 2016 U.S. election skullduggery. Apparently, the Democratic campaign used it as a site for staff events. Anyway, crazy people decided there was a secret code embedded in the linked emails that meant these innocuous messages about campaign pizza parties were actually code for a Clinton-run child sex slavery ring. This story culminated in a, quote, independent investigator, unquote, showing up at this restaurant with an assault rifle, demanding to be allowed to conduct his own investigation of the basement where, thanks to Alex Jones and company, he had been led to believe that children were being held in leg irons for the sadistic pleasures of God knows whom. As we noted in the false flag episode, there are a number of problems with this theory. The first is that it is batshit insane. The second is that the pizzeria does not actually have a basement. The Roseanne tweets, though they didn't mention either Pizzagate or QAnon specifically, tied together the two theories' obsession with the idea that political opponents were not only those who held the wrong policy ideas, but those who were secretly covering up the most heinous imaginable crimes, those against children. Which brings us to the first of a few interesting parallels between the QAnon conspiracy theory and previous phenomena. To wit, it seems really reminiscent of the satanic panic over supposed ritual child sexual abuse from back in the 80s and early 90s. Because we are so very, very old. We can actually remember when this shit went down. There were many vectors of the contagion, among them fear of Dungeons and Dragons turning kids into demon-possessed suicidal lunatics, as chronicled in the thankfully forgotten early Tom Hanks Tom film Hanks Mazes and Monsters. Caught up in a deadly game of fantasy. I am the maze controller. Until they take it too far. I propose we play mazes and monsters in a real setting. It won't be a fantasy. Too bad for one of them, because now there's no turning back. This is only a game. I know, I killed somebody. Mazes and monsters. Which, strangely, is not the only mention that Mr. Hanks will receive this episode. But the biggest headlines went to the story of the McMartin Preschool, where well-intentioned but apparently clueless child psychologists managed to convince a number of very young children and their parents that the owners of the school were not only molesting the little ones, but engaging in ritual animal sacrifices and other unspeakable crimes. The story was headline fodder of the purest kind and unavoidable throughout the arrest, trial, and convictions of two owners of the school. These convictions were eventually partially reversed, but in hindsight it appears that many or perhaps nearly all of the allegations were dreamed up by the kids as the result of psychologists' leading questions. Anywho, panicking over imagined satanic sexual abuse of children seems to have very deep roots in the U.S., and it flares up every so often, though Professor Catherine Olmsted of UC Davis, quoted in Think Progress, points out a key difference with Q. It's certainly true that throughout U.S. history, there has been sexual panics and concerns about sexual perversity. I see Q continuation in that there is this belief in a group of dangerous insiders, the deep state. The new part with Q is that it's a hopeful theory. That's unusual. Conspiracy theories are more often full of doom, awakening the public to expose the plotters. Now, this positivity about the imminent takedown of evildoers does cast a rosier-than-usual glow over the Q conspiracy theory, and may indeed be better for the psychological health of the deluded. But there's a chance that same sense of impending action is spurring at least some supporters to undertake operations. Again, Vice has us covered with Matthew Galt's story of Lewis Arthur and veterans on patrol, 
and their idiosyncratic war against an imaginary foe spurred on by some very QAnon-style ideas. Arthur is a sort of zealig of recent militia-friendly conspiracy nonsense, being the only person with the distinction of having been kicked out of both the Bundy Ranch and the Maller Wildlife Refuge standoffs. That is, he was too crazy for the militia lunatics. See episode 4, which is part 2 in our Posse Comitatus to Sovereign Citizen series. Arthur has since formed his own charity, Veterans on Patrol, which comes to the aid of homeless vets in the Tucson, Arizona area. Obviously commendable. What's more unfortunate is that his group is also absolutely positive that they've discovered a secret child sex trafficking camp, which appears to everyone else to be an abandoned camp previously occupied by vagrants. The group pins its accusations on ironclad evidence, like a found Barbie doll, some straps on a tree, supposedly put there to tie up innocent youngins, and a couple of old playboys. The doubt of less excitable observers, like the relevant law enforcement authorities, who conducted a check of the area and found nothing, seems not to have calmed their ardor, as the vice reporter noted back in late May. Now the group is patrolling Interstate 19 in Arizona and demanding that authorities declare a state of emergency. Conspiracy theories on the internet have pointed to the VOP operation and the discovery of the camp as proof of the QAnon conspiracy theory. And while Vice points out that Arthur and co. were generating crazy quite well on their own without the need for any QAnon assist, Arthur nonetheless thanks the Q-plus community, his conspiracy fellow travelers, in one of his videos exhorting followers to take action against imaginary pederasts. But it's been exposed of how, where they're smuggling these children from. Uh, we have a pretty good idea of how they're doing it. And we have a very massive human trafficking corridor, and we suspect it's being used not only just for children, but also to smuggle ISIS, also to smuggle dope and money back. I have over 400 messages on my phone I haven't even got a chance to look at. I'm getting most of the important information. I want to thank uh, QAnon, HN. I want to thank you guys for... Um, Getting that request in because that is Look, huge. we don't want to make it sound like sexual exploitation of children is anything other than a real and horrendous problem. Clearly, it's a goddamn nightmare, one of the vilest crimes imaginable. What we're objecting to is a mindset that encourages armed groups to get it into their heads that the cops are ignoring their clear evidence of these crimes, mostly because that evidence is imaginary. And, of course, meanwhile, thousands of other lunatics are egging these groups on due to their heartfelt and absolutely crazy belief that the whole political system is rife with satanic, child-fucking murderers who are about to get rounded up when the president reveals that the investigation he attempts to undermine almost daily is actually the world's most counterintuitive double bluff. And veterans on patrol are not even the most active in this area. The man who's gone farthest in his zeal to promote Q-style conspiracy thinking is one Matthew P. Wright, who blocked traffic on the Hoover Dam with his armored truck, holding up signs demanding that President Trump release various reports he apparently believes would blow the case wide open. Another thing that's clear, the more you dig into QAnon, is that there's apparently no bottom to it. Devotees have imagined so many interconnections that you can always find a still deeper, crazier level below the one you're examining. For example, the reason the veterans on patrol were investigating the homeless camp-slash-pretend-sex-trafficking location is that they thought it was somehow connected to Semex, a Mexican cement company. Wait, why? No, hold on. I'm starting to get the hang of this. There's some obvious conspiracy loon reason they're suspicious of this company. Um, Hillary Clinton gave a speech to the company's annual convention? Nope. 
or um, Obama visited the factory at some point during his term? Great guesses, but no. Uh, oh, shit. I got it. George Soros. Wow, Dana. I'm impressed with the guess. But what have we done to you? Yes, you hit the nail on the head. George Soros, a Hungarian-born left-leaning billionaire who for some people is a convenient stand-in for the very concept of evil. Though it's never quite clear why that is so is an investor in Semex. So obviously this fact alone helps to explain why some land owned by the company is ipso facto a suspected child sex trafficking site. But that doesn't really explain how Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg are involved. Legendary director Steven Spielberg. Yes. And America's most beloved pretend dad, Tom Hanks. Yes. Are somehow implicated in the minds of QAnon followers in an international child sex ring that also involves Hillary Clinton... Barack Obama, the late Senator McCain, a significant percentage of everyone who works at the highest levels of the Department of Defense, Justice, Energy, and God knows what else, a Mexican cement company, and Hungarian billionaire George Soros. Now you're getting it. No, uh, I'm not even going to talk about Spielberg, who, by the way, Steven Spielberg is a pedophile. Yep. Oh, I'm not going to talk about Tom Hanks either, who is also a pedophile. Tom Hanks, folks, is a pedophile. Sorry to... I'm sorry if this is the kind of bursting your bubble, all this information is new. But So we're going to start with the pizza. Now, any one of these things that we're going to talk about doesn't prove anything. And even everything I'm showing you today doesn't prove anything. We're looking for patterns. These people are bold in their approach and how they do these things. Now, this is Tom Hanks with a boy who could be 18 but could be not, snapped in a pizza parlor in 2012. And there's the pizza theme again. We see the dark rim glasses. So you've got pizza references throughout. Here he's playing ping pong. Well, it's really racquetball, but it might as well be ping pong in front of a pizza parlor. In another scene, they're celebrating birthday at a pizza joint. Pizza, pizza, pizza. Now, I can understand one pizza reference in a film, but to keep repeating it over and over again and drilling it in, they're sending a message because pizza means children. This is what it means to these sick people. So big deal. And he's also Pizza's confirmed in the other longstanding All rumors that I don't even know about, uh, such as Steven Spielberg, the famous director. This one was shocked me. Steven Spielberg is a pedophile. He actually um, murdered Heather O'Rourke, who was the little girl that played in the Poltergeist movies, which is those horror movies that Steven Spielberg made back in the 80s. Heather O'Rourke died uh, very young at age 12. And if you go to the Wikipedia, it says that she died from a bowel obstruction, um, which is very unusual. But basically, she was, she was raped, anally raped by Hollywood pedophiles, by Steven Spielberg himself, and she died at the age of 12. Uh, so Steven Spielberg uh, has been exposed as a pedophile by, by Isaac. And so what they're doing with these coordinated attacks is they're coming out and they're saying that there's these allegations against people like Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, but they're baseless. And they're not giving the other side the story. 
And this is exactly what happened with me during the- How you guys doing here? Uh, I'm gonna do something on Will Smith, Tom Hanks, and all these other pedophiles that are in Hollywood. All right, guys? So, how has this nonsense, which even some of the most credulous and horrible denizens of the fever swamps of the right wing, i.e. Alex Jones, have recognized as bullshit, gotten so popular? Well, in addition to Roseanne's support, which we mentioned earlier, many other crazies with significant online followings have been boosting the signal from Q true believers. This includes Jerome Corsi, one of the foremost conspiracy nutjobs of our current moment, who published a thoughtful, balanced, incisive report on Alex Jones's InfoWars site, Obviously, before Jones did an about-phase on the whole Q theory. Detailing Q's revelations under the all-caps headline, Treason! QAnon exposes Obama-slash-Hillary 16-year coup d'etat plan. Yay for responsible journalism. An Operation Rescue higher-up named Cheryl Sullinger also appears to have bought the Q line entirely, breathlessly reporting on Q's mentions of Planned Parenthood, or PP in QAnon code, and how the storm... Remember, that's the good guy, Trump Mueller's secret patriotic pro-American conspiracy that's about to eliminate the bad international kitty-diddling conspiracy branch. may also be preparing to destroy this ancient enemy of the pro-life movement, finally prosecuting the organization for what Selinger wrongly asserts is Planned Parenthood's habit of selling the parts of aborted babies for a profit on the open market. Again, not an accurate description of the group's tissue research policy, but we're not getting into the weeds on that one. The main point is, she thinks, much like other QAnon fans, that she can wrest meaning out of the oracular pronouncements of Q, and she uses her prominence in a cultural subgroup, here pro-life activists, to popularize both her interpretations and the broader QAnon phenomenon itself. But strings of vaguely connected words promising right-wing fantasies coming true aren't the most obscure aspects of Q. That title goes to the alphanumeric strings that seem randomly strewn throughout these posts. B8028-Z-KDHYQ-M5-ZAF1 lowercase a T9. That was an example of the kind of code that Q periodically includes in his missives. His followers were quick to respond as here. Theories. Q urged Q plus to do something, and Q plus responded for everyone to pray and then release the code. This is a tweet posted by one of the bakers. Recall, these are the folks who imagine themselves to be working together to reveal the facts behind Q's mysterious pronouncements. These suggestions then led to further baker speculation. Brainstorming. What can they be the unlocking code to? The classified docs on the illegal spying by the Obama campaign? The server? NSA slash DNI files on the illegal spying? A WikiLeaks submission that has all the files and emails? What are some of the top theories as to what this can be for? Well, we hate to be bearers of bad news to conspiracy believers, 
and if you're keeping score, that's the most dishonest thing we've ever said. But apparently a security expert has another idea of what these codes mean. That is, they're total nonsense. Well, sure, we could have guessed that. Yes, but what's more interesting is that his analysis reveals that many of these codes are likely a very specific type of nonsense. Security researcher Mark Burnett, whose leading work on password decryption and security leaves him well-poised to analyze QAnon's codes, has done a statistical analysis of the codes and concluded that they are consistent with an English-speaking QWERTY user putting their fingers on the home row of their keyboard and button-mashing them. So it's pretty likely that the two highly-placed sources from which QAnon codes emanate are secret agent right-hand and deep state operative left-hand, taking turns hitting keys on either end of the keyboard at random. What else do we have here? Oh, there's an interesting demographic aspect to QAnon bakers and assorted acolytes. For an internet-based phenomenon, they skew pretty senior. Will Summer, again of the Daily Beast, is fascinated by the demographics of QAnon, especially compared with other internet-era phenomena. Not everyone is right on board. The farcical nature of QAnon's clues has tended to alienate many younger, more internet-savvy people, including members of the alt-right. But QAnon has been a hit with older Trump supporters, leading to tech-illiterate baby boomers looking to spread the QAnon gospel, asking for help in internet forums on how to meme. I, for one, can't wait until my grandpa calls me to help him gin up some truly dank QAnon gifts. Matt Binder, reporting on this on the site Mashable, points to two key factors about the boomer adoption of Q that helps to explain its meteoric rise in popularity. First, he notes that boomers who didn't grow up around computers and the internet are still the generation that is most likely to share content they find online that supports their political views. Reportedly 19% higher than other generations. But while they're eager to seek out and share the content, they also may have more difficulty intuiting the comparative trustworthiness of a source. Specifically, they might not realize that foreign 8chan, however full of politically convenient content they may be for a right-leaning Trump fan boomer, are among the most reprehensively untrustworthy locations on the internet. In other words, these elders are ripe to be trolled by the more tech-savvy. And speaking of trolling, that brings us to some fascinating recent reporting along two different lines. One proposes to explain where Q might possibly have come from, and the other pretty definitively explains how the theory made the initial leap from a single weirdo posting on a message board to a genuine conspiracy theory. Let's start with a story on BuzzFeed about an Italian art collective that currently calls itself the Wu Ming Foundation. It means no name. Back in 1999, four guys associated with a predecessor of this group wrote a novel, the book's plot, covers the religious dissenter traveling across 16th century Europe, all the time chased by a Catholic spy named Q. The novelists describe it as a playbook, an operations manual for cultural disruption. These guys feel the corollaries between the real-world Trump-era phenomenon and their novel's plot are too much to ignore. Specifically, both novel and 8chan posts include Dispatches signed Q allegedly coming from some dark meanders of top state power, exactly like in our book. Also, the Q in their book, like the supposed real one, may in fact be a handle used by multiple people with top-secret security clearance. Or whatever the 1500s Catholic equivalent was, presumably. And there's one other point of similarity, they claim, but we're saving that bit of lunacy for a few minutes from now. Having not read the novel, we love you guys, but not quite that much, we can't say anything definitively about these guys' claims, but they do seem a bit tenuous to us. 
What doesn't appear to be beyond the realm of possibility, though, is that Q started out as some sort of left-wing prank on true-believing right-wingers who aren't internet-savvy enough to know when they are getting hoodwinked. And perhaps this hypothetical, enterprising left-winger did indeed read this book, as apparently it was only popular in the U.S. among lefty activist circles. But the influence seems minor at best. What's far more fascinating is some great reporting done by Brandy Zadrozny and Ben Collins of NBC which offers a pretty airtight case that the most influential promulgators of the QAnon conspiracy theories were some fellow travelers more concerned with their social media status and potential for profit than supporting the storm. The reporters explained that Q wasn't just some sui generis, unique presence that appeared one day. It was simply the latest entry in what was a fairly crowded, already existing Anon genre on 4chan and similar message boards, all of which claimed to be highly placed insiders sharing super-secret, secret, secret secrets. They cite, for example, FBI Anon, HLI Anon, that's high-level insider, CIA Anon, etc. ad nauseum. QAnon was just another run-of-the-mill Anon, and his posts were not particularly popular until three activists banded together to promote them. Two were moderators of the Slash Paul board on 4chan, which you may recall was the origin point for Q's posts, and the third was a minor right-wing YouTuber named Tracy Diaz, from the article. Their goal, according to Diaz, was to build a following for QAnon, which would mean bigger followings for them as well. By covering Q, her channel went from having a few thousand views. Hey, that reminds us. Our channel only has about a hundred. Care to subscribe, watch, and help us improve that total? To 90,000 subscribers and more than 8 million views as of mid-August 2018. Apparently, she acknowledged that she owed her audience to her Q coverage in a since-deleted video. Here's a sample from her channel that she posted back in February, and even then, it sounded like she had started hedging her bets on Q's validity. Good morning. Welcome, welcome. The controversy of Q. <laughs> when I first found Q, I thought it was really intriguing, and that's why I decided to cover it. And as I kept covering it, I found that the information that Q presented was all legitimate information that was very important for people to know. It was all history. It was things that had happened, things that I had known about for a really long time. And the way it was presented was really fantastic. Socratic method, questions, it captured and awakened a group of people that had no idea about some of this stuff before. So there are a lot of people focusing on whether Q is legit, whose side he's on, what he's doing, what they're doing, what their goal is. And there have been red flags for me, to be honest. Um, there have been things that Q has presented that I haven't agreed with. I, I, you know, I encourage everybody to make their own decisions and critically think about all information that's provided. And that's what I've done. And people ask, oh, well, so-and-so says that Q is not legit. And so-and-so says that Q is and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. If the information continues to be good information. Anyway, like these three were the ones who had the bright idea to move the locus of conversation about Q's pronouncements from the Wild West of 4 and 8chan to the slightly less wild environs of Reddit. Our intrepid reporters note that Diaz and the aforementioned 4chan mods, screen names Baruch the Scribe and Pamphlet Anon, were listed as the original posters and moderators on CBTS underscore stream on Reddit. That's calm before the storm, naturally. Or 
Come before the storm. Reddit, a much more popular site than the Chans, exposed Q to far more viewers, and a subsequent move to Facebook engaged still more conspiracy-minded followers. And as anyone can tell you, Facebook is the place where old, cranky people go to find and repost dubious news items that fit their pre-existing political preferences, which in turn led to Q's boomer-skewing demographics. Throughout these various moves, the original three Q popularizers leveraged the phenomenon they had created to increase their own Q rating, if you will. You knew he was going to do it, didn't you? Pamphlet Anon, for example, whose real name, as uncovered by Zedrozny and Collins, is Coleman Rogers, worked with his wife to create Patriot Soapbox, which is basically just a 24-hour YouTube livestream of a QAnon chat group on the Discord app. The Rogers, like Diaz, accept donations from their followers. So, Trump and QAnon supporters have started getting a little suspicious about what they perceived as these original three Q evangelists profiting off the movement. But our reporters found some even weirder stuff, which might reveal more about Q's identity than Rogers intended. One archived livestream appears to show Rogers logging into the A-Chan account of Q. The Patriot Soapbox feed quickly cuts out after the logging attempt. Sorry, leg cramp, Rogers say, before the feed reappears seconds later. The plot thickens. In another livestream video, Rogers begins to analyze a supposed Q post on his livestream program when his co-host points out that the post in question doesn't actually appear on Q's feed and was authored anonymously. Rogers' explanation, that Q must have forgotten to sign in before posting, was criticized as extremely unlikely by people familiar with the message boards, as it would require knowledge of the posting to pick it out among hundreds of other anonymous ones. You know, it does seem a tad suspicious that someone who appears accidentally to have logged into Q's own account also somehow picked out a supposedly Q-written post that was put up under an unsigned account. Suspicions have grown among Trump supporters. Our reporters note that the biggest pro-Trump Reddit, r slash the Donald, has set up an auto-delete feature for any post containing Q-related information. So apparently even those conspiracy theory-addled environs still have limits to the bullshit participants will believe. Whether Rogers is in fact Q or not seems largely moot at this point, since the phenomenon appears for the moment to be self-sustaining among believers. Based on the life cycles of other conspiracy theories we've seen, like 9-11 truthers, Definitive debunking won't do much to calm the ardor of followers. It'll have to run its natural course, however long that takes. Probably until something even crazier comes along. Terrifying as that idea is. Trump fans on Reddit aren't the only loud, obnoxious internet denizens with a bone to pick with Q, of course. After all, this is not the first major phenomenon with Anon in the title. Oh no. Are we going to talk about the dipshits and the Guy Fox masks? You know it! Anonymous, here we're referring to the loosely affiliated internet group that made such a ruckus a few years ago, with spokespeople appearing in videos with their voices distorted and always wearing the aforementioned masks. Either referencing the excellent Ellen Moore graphic novel V for Vendetta from the 80s, or the mediocre Wachowski-penned film adaptation of 2006. Anonymous shares a lot of features with QAnon. Both originated on 4chan, for example. And both have stupid slogans. In Q's case, of course, it's the grammatically ludicrous, where we go one, we go all, while the anonymous version is the junior high portentous, we are legion, we do not forgive, we do not forget, expect us. 
Anyway, the Elder Anonymous, which styles itself as a society with elite hackzors skills, though they're frequently derided by honest-to-god hacking experts as script kiddies. Which we presume is a devastating insult among people who know way more about how computers work than we would ever want to. Anyway, they're not big fans of the new Anons on the block, and they put together a deeply irritating animated video to put QAnon on notice. This is a song that is all about Q. Quiddly, quiddly, diddly, dee. Q is the letter that comes after P. Greetings, Q. We are anonymous. We've been watching you too, and you're quite funny. We were all like, yo, check this troll out. He has them convinced that he's on the inside and they're eating it up like sheep. Someone is gonna get hurt. So we have to put our foot down and start some shit with you all, okay? We don't know if you can hang with the real thing, cause believe it or not, we're kind of upset that you'd try to even associate yourselves with our decentralized collective. That crazy pedophile conspiracy you Qs are throwing around while ignoring Trump's own connections makes us wonder why. Seems you have some kooky political agenda. We don't like brainless political agendas, Hell we don't even like political agendas at all, so get your asses ready for a thrashing of butthurt. You got all these foolish people all riled up with no proof, no leaks. We have plans. We will not sit idly by while you take advantage of the misinformed and poorly educated. In our collective we all have our differences and internal drama but we do have one thing in common, none of us are happy with your bullshit. And oh my god, oh no. It's K real anonymous they deep state feds oh my god oh me god insert conspiracy theory omg hell. We gonna wreck you. We are anonymous. We are a legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. We're sure you know we're coming. How could you not? Now it's time to quit. To quit means I'm a We honestly have no idea which group of delusionals to root for here. So, I know this has been a super digressive episode, even by our very lenient standards, but we can't resist one other tidbit. About that QAnon slogan, where we go one, we go all. It's not some original formulation designed for brave patriots. Rather, it turns out it's a line from a completely forgotten 1996 Jeff Bridges Ridley Scott movie called White Squall. They thought they had survived the greatest challenge of their lives. We had come through every kind of seas imaginable. Except the white squall. But it was only... White squalls are a phenomenon of the imagination. The calm. What happened to my ship was not imagined. Before the storm. Largo Entertainment presents... A film about loyalty. Where we go one... We go all... Discovery. But we're a crew. That's what this whole thing is about. We have two observations. First, it's too bad Blockbuster went under because we're nearly sure that if some enterprising reporter could dig up the names of the five people maximum who rented this film in the past 20 years, we'd have a pretty solid shortlist for determining the real-life identity of QAnon. And second, when you think about it, given the demographics of people who believe in this shit, White Squall is a pretty good description. Maybe White Squeal would be even better. Okay, we're rounding third base in our QAnon coverage, and as you would probably expect, we've saved the truly bizarre stuff for the end. First, we'll cover a book we found thanks to our Amazon Kindle Unlimited membership, 
Hey, Jeff Bezos. If you're looking for a testimonial, naming this subscription as the single best resource for podcasters needing quick, affordable access to the collective ravings of lunatics, hit us up. And then we'll finish things up with a comparison between Q and another mysterious source of concealed wisdom, which, as near as we can tell, no one has yet observed. First, let's dive into the literary tour de force that is the novel Q the Awakening by Raina Ganji. The plot is centered around one of the most amazing Q sub-theories, which we have thus far deliberately avoided mentioning. That is, many Q devotees believe that the real person behind the QAnon posts is none other than JFK Jr.? I know! Now, there may be a few objections to this. John John's a well-known Democrat, the scion of one of the most legendary Democratic dynasties in American history. He's never shown any tendency toward conspiracy thinking. He doesn't have a job that would have given him the top-level DOE clearance that Q claims. And there's one other thing I'm forgetting. What? Hmm. What was that one other thing? He's been dead for about 20 years? Oh, yeah! That little detail. As you may expect, none of the above facts have in any way deterred Q believers from their assertions, which brings us to the plot of this here book. It presents a version of JFK Jr., who turns out not only to be alive, but also coincidentally to have all of the same opinions you'd expect a doctrinaire conspiracy theory-believing right-wing Republican novelist to have. Shocking. Oh, one more thing. This self-published tome is purportedly narrated by a real-world figure who's never technically named in the novel. But given how unbelievably ham-fisted the writing is, we're pretty sure you won't have any trouble figuring it out. And no, we're not going to make Dana do her amazing impression again. The first-person account begins with our narrator, 14 years older than John John, who gets to know the young man through mutual connections in their shared hometown, New York City. It turns out that John is a big believer in the conspiracy theories surrounding his father's death. He's also a surprisingly big fan of Reagan, but distrusts his vice president, the evil George H.W. Bush. He was the CIA director who oversaw my father's murder. His pro-Republican philosophizing is so convincing, in fact, that it leads our narrator to change his party affiliation, becoming a Republican, which leads to some very subtle foreshadowing. Reagan convinced me Democrats were no longer Democrats. When I told John, he was disappointed, but he also felt the same way. I can't change. It'd be a red flag and pounced on by the press. I don't trust either party. Then he paid me the highest compliment. He said, I do know if you ever became president of the United States, it would be one of the best things that happened to this country. Y'all, I'm starting to feel like I might have sussed out who this mysterious narrator is, but I shouldn't rush to judgment. Let's learn more. The plot heats up when JFK lets his best friend, our narrator, who we're just going to randomly decide to name Bonald Brump, in on his secret plan. The same evil forces who killed his father and uncle are gearing up to eliminate him. The only solution? To fake his own death in a plane crash. Obvi. 
He explains to Bonald how he'll do it. His scheming Uncle Ted will help with the cover-up, though of course as a Democrat he can't be fully trusted. He'll convince both his wife and his sister-in-law to fake their deaths along with him. Bonald will play a key role using one of his many real estate businesses in New York to hide the money that Junior will use to live in secret on a yacht, biding his time until the world needs him to return. The plan goes off without a hitch, and over the years he's in hiding, JFK Jr. stays in contact with his buddy, Bonald. Meanwhile, things in America keep getting worse. Under first the murderous, pedophile Clinton regime, then the fake conservatism of W., and then Obama, who is basically evil incarnate. I felt like my country was dying, and I let John know how I felt. It is dying. And just like I have to die to awaken America's soul, the soul of the country may have to come near death before the people awaken. You're like a son and a brother, I told him. John keeps himself busy during his years at sea, becoming almost obsessed with breaking up a secret pedophile ring that, as our narrator puts it, was so global and so evil. Sometimes his frustration boiled over in still more taut, lifelike dialogue scenes, like this one, set during the 2008 election amidst the ongoing financial crisis. It's a setup, John said in a late night call. Hillary and Obama disappeared for several hours without the press. Soros and the banks are going with Obama. McCain has been an agent since Nixon pardoned him and is playing the game. It's a win-win for the establishment. Bonald tries to inject a ray of hope. I like Palin, though, I said. She's tough, she's smart, oh, and good-looking, too. What a beautiful woman. Junior's anger explodes at his best friend. Damn it, would you stop with the look stuff? Our country's in serious trouble. God, I wish my father was here. Things in America continue their death spiral under the Muslim, atheist, communist, Nazi heel of the Kenyan-born Obama. At some point, our narrator feels compelled to begin considering a selfless run for office to see if he can possibly help arrest our nation's sad, ongoing decline. But he was secretly hiding money for John John, a problem JFK Jr. had presciently identified long before Bonald considered running for any office. Don't run for office then, my friend. Some idiot will ask to see your returns. Well, I'll show my returns the day you're free to come out of hiding. I doubt I'll run for any office. I love what I do too much. Okay, the coincidences are really piling up here. Guys, I think the narrator might be President Trump. I know, it's too weird to contemplate, but it would explain a lot. For example, why Trump wasn't able to reveal his tax returns when running for office. It all adds up. Well, except for the fact that the IRS would already know about the money if it appeared on his tax returns, even if he didn't make them public. Wow, Dana. Fake news. Anyway, Trump surprisingly wins the presidency, and about a year later he starts to realize that his lifelong friend is working with him in secret on the internet. When Q began saying, trust the plan, I knew John was connected. I checked every day to see what was being said and how much people were learning. To do what was necessary to drain the swamp... Hillary had to be marginalized or jailed. And the CIA and the FBI, they had to be scrubbed. Finally, he receives an unmistakable confirmation of Q's identity. Then, during a short press conference about Russia, the lights went out for several seconds. When they came back on, I knew I had the full faith and support of everyone who would be involved in bringing America back. And I knew it wouldn't be long before I could shake the hand of the man who had helped me through it all. Q! If you're out there and you can hear me, we're ready. And God is with us. The people are awakened. God bless America. The end. No, seriously, what you just heard was the end of the book. It's really 
something. Now, before we go, we have an observation of our own to add to the highly enjoyable collective body slam that sensible people of all political persuasions are enjoying at the expense of Q believers. We spoke earlier about the similarities between Q's obscurantist pronouncements and codes and the bullshit peddled by others who claimed access to secret knowledge throughout the past. But we didn't mention one of the most interesting parallels, that between QAnon and the long-lost Gospel of Thomas. Um, I've been to church, not often, but occasionally, and I've never heard of the Gospel of Thomas. Well, there's a good reason for that. It was one of the so-called Gnostic Gospels, a term used to refer to the sacred writings of a branch of early Christianity that maintained that salvation through Jesus came not from believing in his death and resurrection, as Orthodox Christianity maintained both then and now, but rather through the proper understandings of the mysterious secret sayings of Jesus. Brief tangent on the Gnostics, who are super-duper interesting if you ask us. They believed that the God who created the world was not, in fact, the ultimate good God, but rather a lesser evil deity. This, they believed, was the God of the Jewish scriptures and the Christian Old Testament. He is cruel, capricious, wrathful, and has a tendency to drown the whole world when he gets mad. The Gnostics believed the true, ultimate, completely unknowable God resided in a totally different realm, and that human beings originated in this much better realm before being trapped by the bad guy God in our physical bodies in this evil world. Fortunately, good guy God was looking out for us and sent a divine being in the form of Jesus to let those who were smart and spiritually advanced enough in on the secrets that would allow anyone who fully understood his words to escape the physical world altogether and retake our place in the ultimate reality, leaving the physical earth and bad guy God behind. If you want to learn more, we strongly recommend the book Lost Christianities by the inimitable Dr. Bart Ehrman, who is just an amazing scholar and writer. It's also worth noting that this whole eschatology informed the mental breakdown and ensuing creative resurgence of the legendary sci-fi author Philip K. Dick, who will get his own quick hit show someday. Wow, that was a lot of obscure theology to drop on us there, fearful. I'm assuming there is a payoff. Well, I sure as shit hope so. The Gospel of Thomas, which was likely written by someone who adhered to this Gnostic way of thinking back in the 2nd century, and which was only discovered in 1945 as part of the Nag Hammadi trove of ancient heretical Christian texts. Finding it at all was lucky, since the orthodox thinkers whose idea won out went to considerable trouble to destroy all copies of their theological opponents' sacred books, lest future Christians hear about and adopt their supposedly bad ideas. This gospel isn't like the ones you find in the Bible, which each offer narratives of Jesus' life, teachings, execution, and resurrection. This one consists exclusively of sayings that the author attributed to Jesus. And while a number of them will be familiar to Christians from other gospels, some are real head-scratchers. For example, Jesus said, Blessed is the lion that is eaten by a human and then becomes human. But how awful for the human who is eaten by a lion, and the lion becomes human. What?! Or for that matter, they asked him, then we'll enter ultimate reality as little children? When you make the two into one, Jesus told them, and make the inner like the outer, and the outer like the inner, and the upper like the lower, and so make the male and the female a single one, so that the male won't be male, nor the female female. When you make eyes in the place of an eye, a hand in the place of a hand, a foot in the place of a foot, and an image in the place of an image, then you'll enter ultimate reality. What the fuck are you talking about? Look for the living one while you're still alive. If you die and then try to look for him, you won't be able to. Or, and after this we really have to stop ourselves. When will you appear to us, his disciples asked. When will we see you? When you strip naked without being ashamed, Jesus said. 
and throw your clothes on the ground and stomp on them as little children would. Then you will see the Son of the Living One and won't be afraid. So, weird, right? In its own way, though, QAnon is similarly obscure. Take, for example, this recent Q drop, as devotees refer to them. Remember, conspiracy friends, LARPS have access to a full stock of original surveillance photos. Nothing to see here. Fake news, constant attacks. Nothing to see here. Enjoy the show. Or, symbolism will be their downfall. Focus on her necklace. Bottom charm has significant meaning. Find the match. Red shoes. Q. Or, autists present? No connection? Logical thinking. Regarding VIP access. Subject. Threat to POTUS thwarted? Rally. USSS threat. Iden. Greater than sign. Action taken. Comms dark. Message sent. 5 colon 5 question mark. Now, to be fair to Q, because we feel compelled to be for some reason, we're taking these quotes out of context. The one about the charms and the red shoes refers to a photo of Gloria Vanderbilt reading to her then-young sons, including QAnon target Anderson Cooper, on a bed. Which is super meaningful, you guys! But even with that context, the Q drop only makes sense if the reader does a great deal of supposed research, communicating with like-minded bakers, and then comes up with a plausible, imagined scenario where the Q drop could make sense. In other words, it only works if you restructure both Q's post and your perception of reality to make it fit, which is eerily similar to the approach to religious devotion urged by the Gnostic Christians. True enlightenment only comes to those who figure out the secret hidden meanings of the sayings the Gospel of Thomas attributes to Jesus. In this way, they prove their worthiness to see the true ultimate reality. So to wrap up, the evidence we explored earlier means QAnon may boil down to a simple grift unscrupulous hoaxers taking advantage of true believers for fun and or profit. But we've seen this before with the Sovereign Citizens and with Alex Jones using false flags to sell nutritional supplements. That still leaves the question, what exactly do the QAnon believers get out of this insanity? The Gospel of Thomas leads me to think, plenty. At the cost of buying into a tenuous and highly suspect view of reality, they are rewarded with a feeling that they are the ultimate insiders not only aware of secrets that no one on the outside can access, but in fact helping to create the meaning those secrets contain. QAnon bakers are simply the latest group to give their devotion to a strange new creed because it makes them feel powerful, knowledgeable, and important. And so, they and their compatriots reimagine the world as a unique sort of paranoid strain. This has been the Paranoid Strain. Quick hit. Follow us on Twitter at Paranoid Strain, email us at theparanoidstrain at gmail.com, and visit on the web at theparanoidstrain.com. As always, we're grateful for the musical stylings of Daniel Arizona and the Paranoid Strain Orchestra, and indebted to the dulcet Northern European interjections of Ms. Dana Unicorn. A special thank you goes out to the Chads of Stupidland for their clutch reading of a completely insane novel. Final mixing assistance comes from Big Mucho, who also put together our super-duper website, and Willem UFO makes the pretty pictures. I'm Fearful Jesuit. Thanks for listening. Next episode, which comes out next month, not two months from now, we'll finally finish up our unexpectedly delayed two-parter on 9-11, featuring, as I have long promised, the craziest book we've ever read. In the meantime, remember, the world is chaotic, but it's not out to get you. Or at least... Not you specifically.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.